0: I want to know when was the seed of design planted? Was it planted back when you were probably in school? Was it planted in college? Because you also started freelancing in college. What is at one point when you should actually tangibly follow your passion? Because I've seen a lot of times when a lot of people, uh, they say, okay, I, I love, let's say filmmaking, something which I do. Uh, but then one year later, they realize, oh, you know, this was better off as a hobby. And this eventually is like in a couple of years, even will quickly replace you and, and you know, you won't be able to sustain a living
1: out of it well uh you know that's all depends on how you define being a specialist you know specialist is about having very deep knowledge about one particular thing you know that's when you call that you are a specialist in that calm down before you stress up to prove the energy a little different when the blessings are cool. hey who you're talking to just know I- So-
0: if you become a really good designer, how do you know if you're getting better after a point of time? How do you get jobs in all these top startups like Swiggy, Zomato, Cred? What does it take to stand up there? What does it take to be a great designer? We answered a lot of questions like these in this episode, in this very, very special episode of the CNTC show. If you're a designer, if you are an aspiring designer or a freelancer, Sapta from Swiggy is an. Insane mentor and a teacher to have. I have learned a lot from him, not just from his workshops and his YouTube channel, but now from him on a live one-on-one conversation. I hope you enjoyed this one. Pura suna, skip mat karna. Definitely, every single point, every single answer has something, something very, very valuable. Like, comment, share as always, and haan, subscribe to the channel. Ko. Now on to the episode.
1: Hey, Saptarshi, welcome to the CNTC show. How are you doing? Thanks for inviting me for this, Ayush. I think it feels great to be a part of this. I think it's been a long time I have been part of uh, a show like this. <laughs> I've been I've been warding off all these people who have been reaching out, but I think it's good to be back. Awesome. I'm so excited for this one, particularly
0: when we were internally having this discussion, I, I told the team that I'm you know, I'm going to be talking to you and they were so pumped because every designer knew of you. they're like, Oh, we have, we've seen his YouTube videos. We have seen, uh, his Instagram and, and somehow they just, they were part of your tight knit community is what I'd like to call your audience. And it was so excited and so empowering. So to, to just you know, realize, okay, I'm going to get a chance to speak to you and probably gather some information, knowledge and pass it on to the audience on how to build great design teams, how to even
1: get started with design. So really, really excited to have you on the show, man. Thank you. Thank you. I'm really flattered to know that folks out there in your team also know about me. That's wonderful. <laughs>
0: There's this is really like like a fun question, which we ask everybody who comes on the show. Uh, describe yourself in just two words. What, what would those two words be?
1: Ah. Uh, simple human
0: simple human the, okay the kind of things that you're doing right now not at all simple like you you are a teacher content creator
1: you're taking courses swiggy but those are just man made words you know those are just man made words anyone can call themselves teacher or creator or something why why do you call it simple like like what's what's the thought behind it because i feel i have a pretty simple life You know i i like interacting with people i'm an extrovert person you're probably getting to know i'm a talkative guy as well so i like meeting new people i like traveling i like talking to people and uh yeah that's what i started doing i never thought that you know i would i would evolve as a content creator or a or or you know a teacher or something and then when i started interacting with people as in when i started growing in this field of design i started speaking things which made sense to people They ended up learning a thing or two so what started off just as a networking i saw okay i i like doing this so let's just go ahead and some people are getting benefited
0: let's let's rewind a little bit so you are at the core an engineer you're from iit i want to know when was the seed of design planted was it planted back when you were probably in school, was it brand in college? Because you also started freelancing in college. Start, the how did it start?
1: You know, it's it started, uh, interesting story. It started uh, way back when I was in school. You know, I was in seventh or eighth standard when my parents got, uh, got me the first computer, the desktop computer, you know, it was an assembled one. And, uh, you know, I also had a printer. So back then my work was, of course, my parents had spent a lot of money to get me that. Uh, not everyone had a computer back then, right? So I wanted to make use of it like make use in a way which uh, someone without a computer wouldn't be able to do and one of them was to make birthday cards or new year cards so i i tried to explore that you know how can i create birthday cards or new year cards using my computer and uh, i spoke to the people who sold us the computer it's a local shop i was born and raised in assam you know one small town out there uh, those guys told me that there's a tool called photoshop using which you can make cards they had no clue how to use it they said we can get you the tool somehow, but you'll have to figure out how it works. So they came and installed Photoshop in my system. I didn't have internet, of course. And uh, there I was, uh, uh, you know, 11 year old guy. (laughs) Okay, maybe I was slightly older than that. And uh, I had a computer, Photoshop and a printer. So I was left to myself. Trial and error is what taught me. So I did actually started manipulating pictures or creating shapes and stuff. And I was to print them out and then give it to my friends and all, and be that cool guy because I could give printed cards, you know? So uh, that's how it started actually. That's how it started. Uh, Just as a fun thing, just as a show off thing. But then when I went to IIT, uh, I saw that that's a whole new world. Like there were people who were, doing it very seriously there were seniors who had been doing graphic design for quite some time there were tons of resources available in the land which i could download and watch and learn there were seniors who were ready forever ready to help us out or teach us out or anything so that's the time when you know it it, i took things to the next level i started learning a lot of things also i got exposed to internet of course i mean i started using internet before as well but then that's when you know i actually utilized internet to learn something new skills and stuff So I think all these things led me into believing that I would like design, right? But even then, I never thought that I would take it up as a career because uh, I thought there's no scope, right? I'm from a middle-class Indian family and I'd have to do something good in my life. (laughs) So that's how I thought. I thought that, you know, I would never get paid well as a designer. I would never get the respect as a designer. So these were the thoughts which I had in my mind uh yeah so all through my college life i never thought that i would do it professionally it was only you know one year into my first job which i got from my campus placements i discovered that you know ux design was a thing and i could perhaps get into it and yeah that's how i got into it so there was no one moment which made me realize you know like design is my thing i knew that okay no electrical engineering is not something that i would want to do all my life right it's good i like it but no i can't keep doing it all my life I, i thought that you know i would be a business person maybe you know i would do an mba and uh you know start doing something cooler that's what i thought but then design happened
0: okay there's this major talk in the last four or five years uh, uh, especially if you spend time on instagram and youtube uh, that you should follow your passion you should definitely go what you know where your heart takes you There's a huge amount of if i had to sum it up in a word it's pr Ki go and follow your passion and you this will happen that will happen and you know the all these success stories there's always survivor bias whenever we are talking about these stories i want to understand what is at one point when you should actually tangibly follow your passion because I've seen a lot of times a lot of people, uh, they say, okay, I, I, I love, let's say filmmaking something which I do, uh, but then one year later they realize, oh, you know, this was better off as a hobby. Shouldn't have taken this bad decision. H- how do you get how, how does a college student gauge, you know, because there's a, as you said, most of us come from middle class families. We, there's always that pressure of making money, right? You can't do something which is too unstable. How does somebody in college figure that out?
1: There's a simple answer to it. You don't. <laughs> you know, you can't figure that out. It's as simple as that. Maybe uh, I see a lot of people who want to get into design these days. Do you think you know they really love it? Nope. most of them see this as a lucrative profession, uh, which can potentially pay you well. And for something, you wouldn't need to code, because a lot of people are scared of coding. They don't write, like to write programs, and they know that you would get same kind of money, you would get same kind of respect and everything else that comes with a coding job, but then you won't have to write code. So, you know, that feels like a very good alternative to people. And that's the reason I personally feel a lot of people want to get into design these days. Now, this is in 2021 when design has already established itself as a good profession in the industry, right? Not completely, but at least the people like you and I probably know about it, right? But uh. You cannot guarantee that for something which has not yet established itself as a as a stable thing or as a good thing, right? So when I was designing in college, I knew that I liked it, but I never thought it could be my career because it wasn't established. Maybe I was passionate about it, maybe I loved it, but then practicality strikes. I never know that this is gonna work. Can this pay my bills? Can this make me rich? Can this uh, uh, enable me to fulfill my dreams, whatever, right? I wasn't sure about them so even though i was passionate i knew that this passion alone is not going to take me ahead i'll have to keep doing something else which i like moderately like and this can go on as a passion or this can go on as a hobby is what at least i thought right and that's why even though i figured out that electrical engineering is not something that i like i figured out that maybe you know management is what i like more i thought that i would take up a managerial job or i would do an mba which would be my source of income and then maybe you know design is something that i would keep doing in the back and uh, just get fun out of it. But then things changed, and uh, maybe I was lucky that something which I liked, something which I feel I was passionate about, or I am passionate about, potentially could pay me as well, because the industry had changed that way. Now, that doesn't happen with everyone, right? Now, you could be a passionate filmmaker in college, but for it to sustainably keep paying you consistently, you need to fly at a very different level, right? It's It's not, possible maybe right away right you know how tough it is because since you are you're doing the same thing so that that's why you know it takes a lot of uh, effort and confidence for you to take one of these things as your primary source of income although i have known a lot of people you know when they are young they want to try it out they feel that okay what are what are the odds even if i don't uh, even if this doesn't work out two years back i can always two years later i can always come back and maybe get a job so with that hope many people start and some people succeed but most of them do not and they come back like you have said so i don't think there's a way to find that out honestly unless you know you are an antaryami and you can predict what is going to happen in the future
0: do you think like a job where you are consistently being creative or trying to be creative for that matter
1: can burn you out in the long run it might it might uh, but uh, if you really like something even though it burns out burns you out a bit, but you enjoy the process. You start enjoying the process so much that uh, the possibility of it burning you is lesser, not nil, I would say it's lesser because you also enjoy the process. And one good thing about any creative profession, I would say the end results are very satisfying. So even though you know the process had been very hectic and you are like almost at the verge of burning out, even though you enjoy the process, but then when you actually arrive at the end result, it's so satisfying that you know it heals everything else. So at least that's how it happens to me, right? Uh, so yeah, I think that's what I feel. It, it does have the potential to burn you out, but uh, it can also be very satisfying that which can heal everything. How do you avoid the burnout? Like, I'm sure this question must
0: come to your mind, at least Like, it must have come.
1: Uh, burnout usually happens when you keep doing the same sort of thing again and again. Uh, it happens usually to people who are, say, working for a company like me. You know it's it's the same product it's the same feature it's the same thing that you're continuously working days and days months after months trying to make it better or something it it can get a little hectic or boring or you may face burnouts after some time so one thing is you need to keep fueling it with newer things right even if your say day job is not giving you that opportunity because you know there are some restrictions maybe you take up something else think of something your pet project or something, you know, start thinking or start building with a friend or a colleague. So those are the things which uh, which helps you break the monotony because then you don't feel like I'm doing the same thing again and again because in the breaks or during the holidays or weekends or at night, you're actually working on something else. Your mind is going towards a few things. So it kind of creates a nice deviation uh, which prevents you from burning out from the otherwise monotonous life of
0: yours. This is one question which is always uh, fascinated me and troubled me at the same time. And it goes for every creative out there from a, from a Nolan to people sitting us. Right. So I love your designs. Right. And sometimes I feel initially in your career, when you start, there are, you can measure the growth of, okay, let's say in, in terms of video, probably you used to shoot your videos on a phone. Now you've moved to a camera. There's a lighting setup, right? So you can track the growth. Okay. My video quality is getting better. There are technicalities you you take care of, but there's a point of time, when you hit like a glass ceiling in terms of technicalities, you hit a glass ceiling in terms of the number of tools you can learn, how do you track your design growth? How do you know if use of as a designer is getting better, you know, like, like probably now?
1: Well, uh, you know, I can answer this question as a content creator, as a YouTuber, and also as a designer who's working for a corporate or a company. But let me tell you the latter first, right? How do you measure uh, the growth of a designer, right? Uh, what i've seen is as you grow as a designer when you're working for a company your your ability or to do things beyond design actually adds to your growth now after a while like you rightly said you won't be left with any tools or you won't be left with any new techniques that uh, is left for you to learn because you've already maybe learned or mastered or have gone through the process it's about things beyond can you can you be a thought leader now can you maybe assimilate everything that is around you and make strategic decisions at a very high level. Can you understand a bit of product? Do you understand what are the business needs? And as a designer, you're expected to know the user needs. So can you blend all these things together and come up with decisions, which is win, win, win for everyone? So I think that's what determines if you are a good designer, if you're a great designer, and that would determine if you would grow right and growing could mean you taking up bigger and uh more important responsibilities or you know promotions and climbing up the stairs and all so i feel over time yeah to to sum up over time it is about knowing things beyond design are you a specialist or a generalist right now i think i'm a generalist i'm a generalist and uh so are most of the people that you would say although many people might claim that they're specialists but i feel that everyone's at best a generalist. You know, it takes a lot of time for people to be specialists and maybe there aren't, uh, we haven't spent that much time, at least in the Indian industry, for people to claim themselves as specialists, right? That's what my personal opinion is. I could be totally wrong, Uh, but yeah, I'm a generalist. And over time, maybe certain aspect of the things, of all the things that I know or have mastered over time, I would start seeing some sort of spikes, which might end up being, uh, some sort of specialty in me so maybe five or ten years down the line i can say that hey, you know what yes maybe i'm specialist in this but as of today i'm barely six years into this game i don't think i'm a specialist i'm a generalist
0: when you uh when you're talking about how eventually you have to start understanding different parts of design right which are not just the actual software designing but also understanding product business users all of that there's this really cool book called the the victory project which talks about the T. it's it's essentially forming a T in your life so you become a generalist, which is horizontal growth. And then eventually you have to figure something out and, and be a specialist there. Right. Because, uh, generalists it's, it's a, it's an interesting debate. I mean, there's, there's no right or wrong here, but I, but I really resonate with the idea that you start off as a generalist, probably find a niche and then become like a T model because specialists are really, really highly valued at what they do. Um, and generalists can, can then is, is like stars on your shoulder. Right. You, you, you know, the job and then stars in your shoulders is, is something like a, eventually where do you stand in this debate? Eventually would you want to probably opt for a T structure? Would you want to opt for just a specialist or a generalist in nature?
1: Well, you know, I have been fiddling with a couple of these things as well. Yes. I have read about this, uh, T structure, the T shaped skills that you've spoken about. So, uh, well, I, I think slightly beyond that, uh, I. I have you know tweet one of the very popular uh saying which goes the jack of all trades and master of none right that's what is the common one and these days you would see many people saying jack of one trade all trades and master of one but what i feel is all of us should be jack of all trades and master of a few you know i think that's what that's what the age is that's what 2021 or the years beyond is going to be because uh it's not enough to be a master of one thing is what i feel you need to be a master of at least two or three things and uh Yeah, you need to be a jack of everything, which is nothing but the general generalist, the base that you started off as a generalist, that would take care of the base of the T that you have spoken about. Just that it's not one spike, but multiple spikes is what I'm talking about, right? So keep learning the edges and stuff. You know, if you do this, do the things which are right before or right after what you have been doing all the time. And that would help you to expand your horizon. And over time, you will form the depth. You will see multiple things growing and forming the base of the T in case of one, or multiple ones, if you follow the way that I'm suggesting, right? So yeah, Jack of all trades and master of some is what my mantra is. So there's like a premise to why
0: this question really fascinates me is because like all the, probably like the below average, not to demean a designer, but people who are just starting out as designers, uh, probably just six months into the job. um, I feel eventually these, like this section is highly replaceable there are websites which which they make a logo and in 5 seconds you enter some information now, now i'm not saying that that logo is great but for an sme that's that's good enough for for them to get started for for them to not spend a money not spend money on a design and, and eventually all these tools are coming in which would help you probably not pay an adobe right canva came in really disrupted the market now people are uh, I, I i receive cvs which says canva designer you know they their their job is xyz and then eventually there's a skill called a canva designer so this is why this is fascinating that if you're not a specialist, do you think like AI will eventually, and this eventually is like in a couple of years even, will quickly replace you and and you, know, you won't be able to uh, sustain a living out of it.
1: Well, uh, you know, that's all depends on how you define being a specialist. You know, specialist is about having very deep knowledge about one particular thing. You know, that's when you call that you are a specialist in that. What I feel is, uh, AI can replace some parts of the things, especially the things which are our computers or machines. Let's use the word machines right now because AI gets really complicated and we don't really know where AI is going to go in the next couple of years. So there are certain things which machines can do and there are certain things which machines cannot do, right? Or won't be able to do even in the near future. That's what I see it. So I don't think, you know, even if someone is not a specialist, right, a machine can come and replace them completely. A machine can come or a computer can come and make their lives easier, is, is what I feel. But complete replacing, it's not gonna happen. Of course, if someone just knows a couple of tools and hence they're calling themselves a generalist, in my opinion, they're probably not even complete designers because knowing just a tool is not enough. So yes, that person can be replaced. You probably will have a machine which will remove the need of a person to operate Canva. Maybe Canva will operate itself and you just put some inputs and it gives you an output. Like you have said, the logos and all, right? So a person who is only specialized or only knows how to use the tool, yes, they will get replaced. But the moment that person is also capable of uh, understanding what you're going to do with this tool. You know, when you say a logo, what is this logo intended to do? What kind of company does this logo belong to, right? Or who are the target audiences, and a couple of other you know, behavioral things, which probably is tougher for a computer to understand. When that person also applies all of them, then that person becomes slightly irreplaceable, right? You know, a computer cannot come and simply replace this person because some of these things are probably not within the scope of any computer program. So that's where I believe, you know. Just the tool operator will certainly get replaced. Uh, but the moment you do things beyond that, even if you're not a specialist, probably won't be replaced, at least in the near future. That's that's what I would like to believe. Have you
0: tried copy.ai or any other GBT3 tool, which
1: I haven't tried, but yes, I have seen I have seen the demonstrations. I have seen the demonstrations. Some of those look really scary makes me feel like, okay, is it just gonna go away? But what I see is, you know, even if those tools come, it's a person who's giving all those input, right? So maybe things will narrow down to how good an input can you give so that your output is in the desired way, right? So if a person is able to think and give the right set of input, then, you know, you're essentially, uh, your comp- the, the computer or the tool is making your life easy, but there's still a human involved. So that's where I feel the world is going to go, right? Like think of, think about codes as well, right? Uh, when people write programs or people write code, it's essentially doing some sort of a function. Now you can always say that the computer is giving the output, but the person is actually writing that input. And that's, of course, it hasn't got, got its own syntax and it's not, uh, it's not uh, the kind of language that you and I speak, but still there is a person who is doing all those inputs, right? So I feel even all those tools, those fancy tools, which is creating the interface of Instagram within a Jiffy, I feel it's just going to make the lives of designers easier and someone will still have to think and give the inputs right.
0: going to ask a very vague question. What's, what's a good design?
1: Well, I will also give you a very, not a vague answer, a very, a very cliched answer. I'll give you a very cliched answer. And the reason I give this cliched answer because I, I truly believe in it. I think a good design is something which solves problems. okay let me give you let me give you another thing to it a good design a really good design is something which is invisible you know you will never feel that something has been designed but it magically works for you right so someone who's using that design or someone who's experiencing that design will never even think that you know there was a person involved or there were a group of people involved in designing it in a certain way it'll be so seamless that you'll never even think about it like, you know, it could be as simple as maybe a toothbrush. Have you ever wondered at how your toothbrush is designed? We probably don't because, you know, it simply works. You know, you just put it inside your mouth, you start moving your hands and it does the work. Or or if we go digital, maybe a simple messaging app or a WhatsApp. Have you ever thought what is so great about it? You feel that, you know, it, it's just a normal thing It it just like any other chat app, it just works. It works because someone has actually thought about it and designed it in a way so that you don't even have to worry about some of these things. The way you imagine, it just works that same way. That's in my mind is a great design and I would like to call it invisible, although it has an interface, but you never think that it has been designed well so that it's working for you. It's just it just feels very automatic.
0: Interesting. I want to know your thoughts on the entire art versus design. OK, so I, I, I go to a dribble. I go to a Behance. The top projects I see are beautiful. Like I, I love how they look. And then I try to dig deep, and I'm, and when I'm, so, so when we, when we do whatever design job we do, uh, we always, you know, look for references when you are making the look board or the mood board. And I see all these references, and they look so good. And even a client would be like, amazing, I love this thing. Uh, but then when you try to see the usability, there's always some form of fault. You, you can't read the text. It's too aesthetic, there is there are fonts that you can't complain, but they look really good. How do you draw a line? because at the end of the day, uh, here's just adding to this question because we work on a B2B front and we have to also impress the clients. The client has to feel wowed, right? Because if you start giving reasoning to everything, it, it becomes like a really tough, tough discussion. So you also have to wow them. How do you find like a like a
1: balance there? well you know first of all uh, i love both these platforms that you've spoken about i used to be very active on dribble uh, one point of time i mean that reminds me i haven't posted on dribble for quite some time <laughs> you know that's not really a a, a portfolio place i don't think dribble is a portfolio place dribble is not even a place where you show off your ux skills or something it's a place where you show off your creativity okay so yeah i know creativity is a heavy word uh, It's about showing off what you can think, which others cannot. That's why you will see a lot of concepts, a lot of, uh, uh, you know, things you could never imagine and all these things It's because people are essentially showing off. Hey, you know what, when you click on this, this burger can come and sit inside a packet and wrap itself. And then when you click on another button, it falls into a scooter and, you know, mimics as if it's going to get delivered to you. Now that, is something is probably not so practical i'm not saying that you know it's not possible it is possible to do it why not but it's probably not so practical but if someone could think about it you know connecting it with the real life and narrate a story it's because they are creative right so that's what people show off on triple and if you see the other way if you say that okay what purpose is it serving i think you've already answered about it it's serving the purpose of warming people clients do get impressed by them people do get impressed by maybe the visual skills or the animation skills of people out there and lots and lots of people get hired over those platforms. does it mean that you know they do very bad job when they get into those get into those companies or with those clients not really they are doing quite good job out there as well maybe they know practicality they know the fundamentals of ux and everything else that we talk about they also know how to make practical designs but they chose not to show them off on Dribble because they're not fancy, right? So it's about knowing which platform is what. Similarly, you know, if I write say a Medium post where things are slightly more serious, where people expect you to go into the process and get into the details of what your thought process were. It's all practical. There if I you know, just go and slap something which is so impractical, maybe people wouldn't like it because the platform itself is such. Similarly, you know if I make carousel posts on Tribble and start writing about the process, no one's gonna give a damn about it because the platform is not meant for that. So just like we designed UX, just like designing UX, we keep our users in mind, we keep our platform in mind, It's the same here, you know, when designers are showing off, they need to keep the platform in mind, which platform is it? And then make content accordingly, right? Yeah. In YouTube, you would post maybe a 30 minute long video. You wouldn't do that on TikTok. You're not even allowed to, right? Because the platforms are different. The audiences are different. Makes sense. And then how do you gauge like, so you
0: now run a team, right? You're on a slightly more managerial position as well. There's a team that you also manage. How do you pick designers then? Like, do you do you ever look at this this creativity side of them or do you just try to find okay what makes material sense when i say material of course like uh you know what makes utilitarian sense when when i bring them on board
1: well you know the first impression the first impression can be created by either of those things if you're just simply talking about the first impression something that would strike me should i have the next round of conversation with this person or not that can come from either of these two direction, right? But then if you talk about finally on what basis am I hiring, it has to be a mix of both. It has to be a mix of both unless I have a very, 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 very specific reason or a very specific project that I'm hiring for, you know, for something. Maybe I'm just looking for animations and nothing else. Maybe, you know, I will ignore the fact that someone is not that great at thinking or doing something else right but even in that case you know it's wrong to say i would see how good is the person at storytelling using in animations or visuals or anything if they're good at that if they're coming if they can come up with new ideas if they can uh, come up with innovative and creative solutions to the problem that i throw at them impromptu then yes why not i would surely hire them but if you're asking about you know a a BAU product designer, someone who would design the Swiggy app flows and stuff, I would see a mix of both of them. Interesting. I, I see this new thing
0: happening in the startup ecosystem. There's this phone dot design Instagram page. There's I think Swiggy design as well. There is cred design. I never see cred developers. I never see, no, I know Instagram is a visual platform, but I also don't see um, cred video, but I do see cred design. I do see Swiggy design. Um, there's a sense of, I read a lot of blogs, how to set a design culture. What is this all about? And then how do you actually go about forming like an, like a nice culture? What this nice, what this nice culture
1: even equate to? Oh, well, you know, we'll get to the culture part maybe, but let's talk about. The Instagram thing and, uh, you know, pages across that you're talking about. I feel all these are attempts to connect and reach out, uh, to other like-minded people. And when you talk about designers. It's about reaching out or connecting with other designers. You would want other designers to look at your life as a designer in your company, PhonePay, Swiggy, Flipkart, anywhere. Now, the reason why you don't see probably developers is because they dwell in different sort of places. Like for, for, for a fact, I know there are large developer communities, maybe much larger than the design communities that you see on Dribbble, Instagram and all these places over github and maybe reddit and some other places where you know they go and post their stuff and uh yeah exactly the same thing people come and comment just that they're not visual they're not maybe they're not social network platforms like instagram and all which is also used by a lot of uh, other people. That's why you discover. Maybe a developer is also on Instagram, although they don't use it very often. But they're still saying that okay, there's a page called Swiggy Design. There's a page called Phone Pay Design, right? But if you talk about the places where the developers dwell, where they show up their work, maybe people like you and I wouldn't go there so much because, you know, it's a very specialized thing. So, so yeah, the answer to that, what I feel is, such communities exists almost for every kind of role. Uh, just that we do not know about them because they're way too specialized, or they are way too uh, they are way too detailed for us to even make sense of anything. Right? So yeah, I think I think that's what it that's what it is. And uh, culture, you know, culture of course uh, is a word that we hear very often out there. I believe culture is formed by people. Right? It's the people who define uh, what kind of stuff that happens right so culture is what you know if i were to compare it with families a, a, as a kid you know when you're at school you'd always know that you know your certain friends parents are really strict you know they won't allow you know them to watch tv after 9 p.m or they must have their dinner at 8 30 and by 10 they need to be in the bed or you know they are not allowed to do this that and stuff so that's culture in a way. Whereas in some other friends' family, you would see that parents are pretty much chill when the kids' friends come over. They also come and have a chat with them. And you know, it's okay once a while to stay awake till late and watch that movie or go hang out with friends and all. So that's again, a different sort of culture. Does it mean one is bad parenting and the other one is good parenting? Not necessarily, these are just two different styles. Maybe this style works for some sort of people, the other style works for some other kind of people, right? but what is important here is the difference you know it determines what kind of character that entire company is you know if you were to personify it so i think that's what culture is right and since different different companies or different teams have different sort of things that they do it is important for them to show off what they actually do so that they give a glimpse of how their culture is to the rest of the people so that you know maybe they can hire potentially hire some people or make other people curious about their own team so that something can happen in the future together right it could also be a way where you attract talent where people get envious of you that oh you know what that's one great team they're doing some great stuff they're having a lot of fun and all so yeah there are many reasons uh, why all these things are done I feel it is important. I feel it is important. You know, it's the same reason why even personal branding is important, right? So you're doing this podcast with me, but uh, not any of my other 24 colleagues. Why? Does it mean I'm the best of all of them? Not really. There are people who are way better than me in my team and also for the rest of the world. You are speaking to me because you've heard about me. Why did you heard about me? Because I did something on social media. Maybe I spoke in front of a camera or I went on similar podcasts with other people that in a way built my personal branding because of which you know me and we are doing one more podcast out here right so i think that's important because that unlocks many things it's the same with teams as well some team might be really good but if no one knows about them it's equivalent to they not existing right so yeah, i at least see it that
0: way how, how much benefit do you see of this personal brand in let's say in a job environment do you think like like a good instagram following can lead you to get a better package or more respect in a job uh, does it tangibly equate to that at all
1: not always well it of course depends on what you are doing in instagram or uh, well it's not just about you know one okay if i were to take my example well i don't know no one has explicitly told me but i can guess and tell you what i feel is uh when companies approach me or even when my present employer approached me, they had known about me, they had heard about me. You know, it's not that, uh, uh, you know, one person applies and they're like, okay, who's this person? Let's look into his resume. Let's understand where this person has worked. That didn't have to go through because they might have already known my name. They might have already seen me doing something somewhere, delivering some talk or, you know, maybe writing a case study or making a video or something. So that initial first impression is slightly elated. I won't say that in it's super positive. You come and we give you the job. That's not the case. But it is slightly more elated. It's not absolutely neutral. It is slightly above neutral, is what I would say. That certainly gives you some advantage. That uh, one advantage is you would see a lot of people approaching you for a job, right? Like I said, uh, you know, uh, when you do something, that's how people know that you know this person knows about it. You know, today if I just go and keep tweeting about user research. You know, every single day, you know, I'm tweeting about user research, or if if I see another tweet, I go and reply with my opinion and all, people will start believing that I am a great user researcher. Even if I have, say, no experience in research or I have no knowledge of research. You know, it's how people perceive you. So what'll happen is, if recruiters and companies start seeing my activity, they will start thinking about me the moment they hear the word user research. And if they have any opening, they will try and approach me and say, hey, would you want to join our company? So, you know, that way opportunities are created. Now, finally, of course, I will have to perform in the interviews and all to get the job that's there, but it certainly gives you an edge is what I feel.
0: Was it was this at the back of your mind when you started content creation? What's the core reason? Why, why do you create content? Why do you teach? Why do you do
1: workshops? Like I said, it's because I loved to network with people. <laughs> that's why I started, started doing it, you know? So I still remember, you know, I got my first talk uh, my first design talk was uh, in 2016 uh, it was an event by hasgeek hasgeek is a fairly popular uh you know group of people here in bangalore who conduct all these things so it was an event called meta refresh it's a big event by the way you know like nice facilities big stage and then you know you go there and deliver a talk it was like a really big thing i never thought you know i would ever get to do that but I got a chance to speak there. They approached me because they had seen some of my animation works on Dribble, right? And also uh, before that, uh, okay, it's actually a two-tiered thing. So uh, there's a very senior design person, Sunit Singh, you might have heard about him. So he's one of the pioneers of Indian design, I would say, one of the early great designers. Everyone looks up to him. So he had reached out to me for a probable employment in one company that he was working for back then, because he had seen some of my work on Dribble and Medium. Right. So he knew that this guy knows motion design and that's why he wanted to hire me. And then I chose not to because I had just switched my job. But then the relationship kind of remained. So apparently he had told Hasgeek that this person is into motion design. And that's how I got to deliver my first talk. So just because I had posted some animations on the Internet, I got a chance to speak about it in a big platform. And that actually started everything. Once I did that and I saw that my talk was well received, and people, were, uh, people actually like the way I use analogies and examples to drive something seemingly difficult as motion design and I, how I could simplify, that gave me the confidence that, hey, you know what, maybe this technique works. Then, you know, one thing led to another. As people saw me, they saw this video floating on, the, on YouTube and other internet platforms where I was talking, they realized that, okay, this guy talks about design right so again it, it became a perception so whenever there was any event people would reach out to me hey you know we have an event would you come and talk so like that you know one thing led to another and within no time in I think as of today I have delivered over 80 80 to 90 talks I think I've lost count you know and yeah and after after lockdown uh, online thing was even more because uh, there are no restrictions you can simply plan one day ahead and then you just open up a live session like this and you're speaking and you have audience from all over the world because there are no boundaries so yeah again to that's how I started when I started I never thought that you know this would build my personal brand in fact I didn't even know that there was a word called there was a phrase called personal brand I simply did this because you know I liked it I'd like to go to the stage and talk to people and interact with people and uh yeah over time it finally translated into podcasts like this, my YouTube channel, everything. Uh, Yeah, but now I feel, you know, maybe it's my responsibility. Many people look up to me and they say that, okay, when's your next video coming? Because we really want to learn this topic from you. Are you gonna make a video on that? So I feel I'm socially responsible to to give back and cater to the needs of some of those people.
0: I've always found it difficult to to tell people exactly like what we are doing. so, so there's this uh, uh i'm forgetting the name who name of the person who said this but but very simple line do things tell people do things tell people do things tell people that's how you generate more opportunities and i've always struggled at this and i also have like you know opinions on on founders building in public and how it helps in hiring a lot um i i know people uh who so let's let's take singers for example i have a lot of friends who are songwriters beautiful songwriters but they write songs that's it then I know songwriters who would write one song, do crazy marketing around, around that song, great PR, talk about how they wrote that song, how the idea came about and, you know, end up talking about it for months. And then uh, they would end up getting more opportunities because it was marketed well. It was like they ended up telling people. Why do you think people have a hard time telling other people what what, what they do? It, especially me, I think this is a question more for me than anybody else. Like now I've started building in public, now I've started telling people, okay, we have, you know, we have amassed, like we have created so much content for so many, you know, big companies, but people don't, people still think uh, there are people who message me and say, well, what do you do? And And that really shocks me that people don't even know what I do. Right? So how do you cultivate this culture within yourself hai. Okay, now i'll do this and i have to tell people in detail that this is what i've done
1: yeah i think the one and main reason why people refrain from showing their work is uh, is that constant feeling that you're not good enough it's it's because you feel that what you've done is no way close to what someone else is doing and it's too bad i will just keep it to my own self I think that's the feeling which stops majority majority of the people into showing off their work yes there are maybe you know a very small group of people who are like you know what i don't care i don't want that life i'm doing this i'm satisfied i don't care showing about but for majority of the people they actually want to show but they're too scared or they are too embarrassed to show their work because they think it's not good enough right one thing is you know just go ahead and show it could be about that you know it's going to be bad you know just believe that it's going to be bad believe that people are going to uh, people are going to shower you with a lot of uh, unwanted criticism and all but still go ahead and do it because once you overcome it you will realize that it's never as bad as you might have thought right you would actually see people uh, people being happy with your work people saying good things about your work and that'll give you more confidence which will urge you to send you know share one more thing so that's how you know it's it's the first things in the first few set of things i would say when you start sharing it gets much easier right and you know another thing i would say is is about what people think about themselves some people are really good but they don't have the faith in their own self and they end up saying that okay i'm not good enough and some someone else for some other people it could be completely reverse mm-hmm. i remember a while back you asked me this question right am i a specialist or a generalist and i told you that i'm a generalist because i believe that I have a lot more to learn before I can call myself a specialist. Whereas there could be some other people who are probably at my level, or maybe even less than that, who might still call themselves specialists. Because, you know, maybe their scale is different, or their perception about themselves is different, right? So that's a thing inside them. So someone who believes, have faith in their own self, or or maybe even shameless to go ahead and show whatever they do, actually have a better chance of succeeding in case whatever this show is, is fairly good enough, right? Because it will give them confidence the moment they start getting that appreciation, you know? And it happened to me as well, like, you know, dribble, like I said, right, a while back, I was very active at dribble, but these days I'm not doing it. When I started, of course, everyone starts with zero, I had seen some of my colleagues at housing who were like doing crazy stuff, you know, they would put some animation and they would get hundreds and thousands of likes and, and uh, people from all over the world would come and praise comment uh, on their work. I wanted to get that kind of praise as well, because that's a very good validation that you're doing something good, right? You're doing something good. You're somebody, right? So i started doing creating animations like i created one or two of them maybe i wasn't very happy i would go and see side by side you know what is missing in mine which is present in rahul's animation or rama's animation right i would go and see those tiny details and try and adopt them into mine and after a while when i feel that okay you know what this is maybe at that level I went ahead and posted with a lot of fear. I thought that, okay, this is gonna die. No one's gonna like it, no one's gonna view it. But that actually did well. You know, it got some, I think 70, 80 likes or something, which is good for, for a beginner, right? That gave me the confidence that, you know, I can also do it. Maybe I am not as not as good as them, but I'm close to them. Maybe, you know, if I put a little more effort, I can actually do better. So that's how it started. You see that, that thing on Dribbble, if I had not put it, I would never grow on Dribble. I would never get uh, discovered by Sunit. I would not never get referred to speak for Meta Refresh, and I would never do all those things what I'm doing beyond my work. (laughs) So, so, you know, just show your work. Just show your work. Do you freelance right now? Right now? No, (laughs) No, I I don't have the I don't have the time, you know. Uh, uh, But yeah, I have done my fair share of freelance in the past. When i was uh, relatively free from my work and every other thing that i do and as of now no how do you price I,
0: and i know this is a very generic question but i still so there, there I, I see a lot of videos on on this is how you calculate your hourly hourly rate and and they you know they, they ask people to come up with a number that you you know your expenses and this is what i want to earn this month why i why i see that flawed is for example i think for me i want i want to earn 10 lakhs a month now this number is so relative to everybody because this really depends upon your bringing What if you are made to believe that three lakhs is a huge sum of money, and then you're made to believe that three lakhs is nothing. So I want 20 lakhs and then you divide and you come with an hourly rate. So how do you bridge that gap between what you're actually worth, which is also very relative because this is creativity we're speaking. And what do you think you're worth? How do you bridge this gap?
1: Well, you know, there's always this your real value versus versus your perceived value. So if you're just talking about your, worth the money that you get paid it can be manipulated a lot by your perceived value because it is possible to make your perceived value more than your real value and uh, that could help you uh, maybe charge more than what you probably deserve now this might sound a little negative but uh I don't mean to cheat people out there what I'm saying is you know There's always a level. It's about understanding where you are. Like, if you ask me, my my first freelance, which I did in college, I didn't quote anything at all. I had no idea how much should even be paid for. My first project was, by the way, to design the label of a shampoo bottle, right? I didn't know, like, how much would a designer charge for designing the label of a shampoo? I have no clue. I was given 600 rupees for that. Right. 600 rupees was a lot for me. I could go and have coffee in CCD, which was inside our campus so many times with my friends. Right. <laughs> so that's how I saw it. it was good. But then this prices started increasing. Still, I was not quoting anything. Right. The first time I think when I quoted was when I was in my first design job. I had no idea. One company had reached out to me seeing my work on Dribble. I literally asked one of my colleague, you know, how much should I charge? He said dollar mangle per ka. He said that. I went ahead and said the same, right? When I said that, the client agreed in just one go. I said 30 per hour, they said, yes, let's do it. Now that made me realize that maybe, you know, I could have asked for 40. Maybe I could have asked for a little more, right? So so the next when someone reached out, I increased it a little bit and say, okay, let's try 37. So I tried 37, I thought, okay, they agreed to 37 as well, right? So then when you see this upward trend, you start getting more confident in confidence in yourself. And by the time also you have done a bit of your work and then you go read up and you see that there are freelancers who are earning $100, $200 per hour. But then the question is, are you really worth it? So no, it's that little, little thing you keep increasing and then when you know you see that it's getting accepted without any discussions you realize that yeah maybe you know you can actually stretch so next time someone comes you take that leap of faith okay let us increase it by another 15 dollars this time maybe i'll come back by two or three if the bargain, bargain so i think that's how that's how i did honestly i don't know if it's right or wrong but what i feel is uh, at the end over time when you have done this for some time you know couple of years at least you should know the worth of your time, the value of your time. Now, the finding the value of your time could be based on what you make. Like you have said that, you know, there is a certain amount of money you make monthly, right? Based on that, you know, you, okay, I buy work every day, eight hours a day, blah, blah, blah. You find your hourly rate, whatever it is, right? That you get from your day's job. And I also feel that when you're doing this calculation, you should also look into the money that you should getting paid. Maybe someone's earning 10 lakh per annum. Right, but if you let you know what I deserve 15, so maybe when you're doing this calculation, start with 15 and not with 10. And then, whatever hourly rate you come up with, I usually recommend you multiply it by 1.5 or 2 and then give that the rate. The reason why you multiply it because, in a full time job that we do, there are many other benefits that you get you know, PF and medical benefits and blah blah and everything. But for a for a for a consultation job, there's nothing like that. And they are short term. So you know for short term, you would have to charge the st- certain premium because it's not going to last for long, right? So yeah, when someone asks me, I usually say this. Find your hourly rate, multiply it by one and a half or two, and then just go ahead and quote. That makes a lot of sense actually. So, Saptarshi, we are almost at the end of the
0: podcast, and we do this uh, really fun rapid fire round. This is just to I was expecting. When
1: is the rapid fire going to come? <laughs>
0: <laughs> it's just um, it's it's our way to just have some fun because I think there were there were some serious questions. I think now it's our time to just relax. Okay, three. Yes,
1: we are ready to go. Two,
0: one, Why? one startup's go. design in India that inspires you. Cred. <laughs> red. One that irritates you?
1: Ah, the other day I saw make my trip. It's very, I have a recency bias. Okay. Because just a few days back I saw something. Ah, that, (laughs) that just hurt my eyes. Sorry. (laughs) What's your guilty pleasure as as an individual, not as a designer? Watching old nineties, Bollywood movies, you know, the the embarrassing ones. (laughs) (laughs)
0: That's that's okay. Um, What do you, what do you love about content creation? Uh,
1: The satisfaction of the end result unmatchable
0: what do you hate about design
1: what i hate about design um
0: documentation (laughs) favorite moment at swiggy in the last three years
1: favorite moment in swiggy in the last three years uh once you know recently uh it was a it was a uh, just funny conversation our ceo said that he dreamt of me talking about in some design context okay it was a funny thing but then okay i at least come in my ceo's dreams <laughs> i think that was a that was a funny moment and uh, yeah a happy one too can you point out like one moment that changed your life one moment that changed my life yeah in my first job uh uh in first i think after two weeks or so uh i was summoned by uh my manager and managers managers and so on and i was given very bad feedback you know first design job very bad feedback it was like It was almost saying that if you do not pull your socks up, we'll have to ask you to go because you're still in probation, right? Your work is no way up to the standards of what we are building out here and all. I think that was a turning point uh, because that uh, evolved a new me in my own self. And uh, that's when I started hustling. Before that, it was just the joy of cracking your dream job and then, you know, all honeymoon period. But then that was a reality check. It made me realize that there's nothing as dream job your journey starts here right so that's the time you know when i started working my ass off <laughs> and it's still <laughs> going on i think it's still going on that's what i would say that that was one of the turning points uh, in my career at least three favorite books or movies whichever whichever you prefer i'll tell you about books i'll tell you two books and maybe one movie right uh first book is the atomic habits uh number two is the power of habits because i kind of relate this to my profession so i love these two books a lot and i uh, recommend these to everyone let me tell you one movie as well uh i really love the batman series by uh christopher nolan in fact christopher nolan is my favorite director so i like almost all his movies but the batman series is really good i feel every dialogue is a one-liner which is tweet worthy <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> That's something. I mean,
0: I usually look at things in a, there's this YouTube channel as well called every frame of painting. You know, there are some videos and movies, which if you pause any frame, it's, it's spectacular. You know, you could just (laughs) put a picture. I mean, there are (laughs) music videos which are so spectacular to look at that you would, pause any second take a screenshot posted on like a tumblr
1: or a pinterest and people would like it would be um aesthetic or beautiful or you know nice to look at i, I remember one liner from batman begins i guess which i hold very closely one is mm-hmm. uh, you know it, it's a dialogue which says uh, it's not what you're within it's what you do defines you so mm-hmm. i think i take that very seriously right <laughs> so yeah wow. sorry i what was your question uh since we are talking about
0: habits a lot and, and growing in incremental paces, what's that one design habit which you have inculcated and has helped you like a lot
1: well it's not a design habit but uh this one thing uh, helps me a lot it's the it's art of listening i would say uh, i think i got a lot better at listening than what i was maybe a couple of years back uh, that changes a lot of things you know when you when you actually hear people's opinion your users or someone briefing you when you hear it really well and probably even take notes along with it it changes a lot so yeah, i would say listening what's sabtashi's life mantra <laughs> remember what we started with i'm a simple human right so anything which uh, which you know just caters to them by me being simple and me being human i think that's my mantra uh but yeah i was expecting the batman dialogue to be to be spoken again
0: it's not what you are within it's what you do that defines you is what i was expecting but this is
1: good as <laughs> well yeah you know I, I i think i think that's that's about uh that's about being simple i would say you know what you do yeah it will define yourself you know for that you don't have to be someone extraordinary right your work will of course you know speak on your behalf but at the end i feel i'm a very simple person you know uh, you should see my daily life, man. There's nothing, <laughs> there's nothing fancy about it. Although many people think I have a very fancy life. I don't, I don't, right. You'll be surprised a cup of tea and apology makes me happy. Uh, <laughs> so yeah, I would still stick to a simple human.
0: Wow. It was, it was really nice talking to you, man. I mean, uh, good knowing you beyond the confines of a YouTube screen and an Instagram post, uh, felt good to connect with you more than, uh, you know, just in, just like a content creator or or somebody working at, in some part of India. It was really nice talking. Learned a lot along the way. Uh, small little things that I'm taking away. One is to uh, to tell everybody more and post post more and probably do more case studies. <laughs> then, uh, so I think that that's my major takeaway from the podcast.
1: Thank you so 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 much for coming and you know sparing your time for this thanks for inviting me once again uh, it was really great talking to you and knowing you right uh, it's always good to connect with fellow uh, fellow content creators and I really love the conversation you know it wasn't like some other podcasts I had been part with which is more like a Q&A you know it's like a prepared thing question answer then question to answer it was a continued conversation I mean you sound like a very experienced podcaster and uh, never felt like you know a session that we're doing it was just like two friends talking really loved it
0: always love to you know uh take the conversation on that note i i i, I feel that like that's the difference between i feel in an, an interview or a podcast this podcast is is my cheat sheet to to talk to people like you and to just learn from the community